here if you need for another week. Clint Stanaway with you. Sherelle McMahon from Her Lounge Room. Hello. Hello, Stanners. How are you? I'm going all right, thank you. Another big week of netball um, to talk about, obviously, to review and then also preview. Let's review first and foremost with thanks to Deakin University. We've got a very special guest standing by who I can't wait to hear from, by the way. But firstly, boy, that was a comeback um, just a few days back. Uh, I mean, I was hoping that comeback was coming. It was coming. And then all of a sudden... um, Hit the lead with what thirty seconds to play, no, and just uh, not yep. even, yeah. Um, yeah, you it was, sort of. It was edgy, it was edgy seat sorry, type stuff. <laughs> we're, sorry, we've got a bit of a delay. Obviously, we'll sort that out as the podcast goes on. But yeah, I, I think it did take quite some time for my heart rate to return back to normal. It was pretty. Uh, pretty full on. And um, look, I think the Fever did a really good job in many ways in that first half of making it difficult for us to play in the way that we wanted to play. And what I loved about it is that the girls just, they found a way. So their um, their natural game perhaps was not available to them as much as it was, uh, as they would like it to be, but they were able to adjust eventually. Um, you know, I'm sure they would like not to get down by 14 goals, but to be able to fight back from that deficit against a team like the Fever, who are prolific scorers, uh, is a huge credit to them. And, you know, you look at Caitlin Thwaites with ice in her veins as she nailed that two-point shot at the end of the game to put us up by one one goal. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the Fever were good enough to, to level it out after that. But it was it was a brilliant performance and one that I was really proud of. I want to ask you about your career and sort of the biggest margin you were able to fight back from, but I also want to ask our special guest that. How about you do the honours of introducing our special guest because I know you two are as thick as thieves. <laughs> well, yes, and I'm, I'm always uh, excited. We've been lucky enough on the podcast this year to speak to some real legends of uh, Vixens and Phoenix and, and Victorian netball and this none comes bigger than uh, our guest here. She's been an absolute superstar um, in Victorian netball and of course for the Australian netball team across many, many years. It's Eloise Southie. Hey, Ella. Hey, how are you going? It just feels like we're catching up for a training session. I still feel like I could get out there with you, Shaz. How's oh, yeah. How's your super shot? We would have nailed that. <laughs> We would have been, we would have found a way to make that work for us, I think. But, you know, I'm, I'm not quite feeling exactly like I could get out there considering I did ping a, a calf yesterday when I, I'm on a bit of a get fit regime, but it's been, the spanner's been put in the works a little. And so I, what happened there? That's, that's an old woman's injury, isn't it, Shaz? <laughs> I know. I know the scary thing is, of course, we, uh, you know, I had that Achilles rupture at the end of Mm. my career. It's it's actually right up near my knee, so it's not not anything like that. Do you know what, Stannis? Breck, my husband, has been um, going to the gym for the first time in his life, actually, (laughs) since the start of the year. Um, And they've they've transitioned to this online program. And so I I thought, you know, in the last few weeks, I'm like, right, I'm actually going to get into a routine of, of getting, uh, doing some kind of higher intensity training as much as my joints can cope with it because that is, uh, it just seems to be what my body responds to. So I'm trying to get back into that. But, uh, yeah, the ping of the, the calf is never a good sign for the ageing athlete. <laughs> I feel really oh lucky to be joined by two out-and-out legends of Victorian netball. Um, 
Eloise, just shed some light on your relationship with Sherelle through the years. Obviously, you still catch up uh, post-netball. You're great mates. But um, what was it like sort of coming through the ranks and, and playing with Shaz Mack? Yeah, look, um, Shiraza Mataza, as we call her. Um, thanks to Liz Boniello. That was a name yeah. that she <laughs> came up with. Um, loves to razzle-dazzle, does Shazza. Um, anyway, back, to, back in the day, um, well, where do we start, Shaz? We're actually related. Our, our uh, grandparents were second cousins or something like that. So Shaz actually had to grow up barracking for the Carlton Football Club because my dad was obviously playing at that time. Yes. So, and thank you for the um, pain that is delivering currently. Yeah, I know. Um, let's move right on. Keep going on with your, your story. Uh, so basically, Shaz grew up in the country and I was actually fortunate enough to meet Shaz through the 17 and under netball trials. And um, at one stage, Shaz actually came down and got sort of billeted to my house and probably because yep. of the relationship there and... Um, you know, a little wing defender you were back in the day when you came down for trials. Uh, I think I was top age, you were bottom age. Um, and then I think they've sort of thought, hang on, wing defence, yes, very athletic, whatever, let's move her up the other end. <laughs> so obviously I think the first selection shows you didn't make it and I was in that team and then I went up to 19s and then you made it, nineteen state, the 17 state team. So you were kind of that one age group down. So we went through the ranks of Victoria uh, and we're lucky enough, obviously, Norma Plummer, I remember her coming to a club training I started with the Melbourne Pumas back in the day um, and Norma <laughs> said hey I've found this um, this young goaler this uh, amazing goaler that I reckon you'd be brilliant with she's really quick and whatever <laughs> so Shaz comes along to training and uh, quick oh my god I actually had to learn to pass without like looking where I was passing to. I just knew Shaz would be able to get to the post and I had to just whip that ball through. So the connection there was always there from the start. Um, maybe that's the, the relation, the, the relative kind of thing. I don't know. The, I don't know. We just got the sixth sense of that. But look, I always say when I talk about Shaz is the, mo the kindest, most generous person super friendly you you actually see what you see is what you get with her there's no pretense to that there's not a lot of other people that you know um I say that as such a genuine person and um such a leader inspirational on court the way she looked at me with her eyes and goes like we're gonna nail this one <sighs> and I'm, I'm like yep and yep. you're gonna take out everyone you running past to <laughs> so yeah white line fever just yeah <laughs> Both both sides, both on and off the court, just a brilliant, brilliant human being. And, and yeah, and on court, standards, I'll just jump in there too. Like Ella and I, we complimented each other because we did have different strengths. And the, the thing about... Yes, that I was the slow. <laughs> the times that we spent together, you know, we had such an amazing group that we were were with through those Phoenix years in particular. And I just, we just knew that we had each other's backs. So it was such an amazing feeling to know that both on and off the court. It really was. It was a genuine um, feeling that we, we just knew we were backing each other up. And I also knew that if the defenders started to uh, get a little bit rough with me, that Ella would be there to lay a screen and make sure that they knew <laughs> she was there to back me up, which I also really loved. Yeah. And, and those Phoenix days were... I mean, they were, you were dominant um, through that period. What was it like, sort of those Phoenix uh, v Kestrels, that local rivalry? Um, there was a lot to love about Victorian netball in those days. 
Yeah, I mean, I can answer that. I Look, I, as Shaz said, just touched on, the group of players that we played with um, were all sensational athletes, um, but they also um, had a will to win. And you don't always get that. I'm sort of walking into the dark here. Guys, can you just shh? I'm just re- recording something. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've all just come in from a bike ride. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we, we actually took the court never believing that we were going to lose. We never yeah. thought there was one team that we could come up against and we were not good enough to beat them. So there was this connection of, yes, we did have very talented players around us, but um, we had that camaraderie, but we, had, we were all super competitive. And, you know, sometimes I just look at players now and I'm like, if only they had that little bit more grunt in them, that, that real killer <laughs> instinct, which... We had it in spades. It was amazing, Shaz, to have so many athletes with that real killer instinct. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I loved Sherelle um, last week with Renee and the look they used to give each other on court. I'm, I'm sure you two both gave each other a similar look, uh, both often, on the court and off, and off the court in the, on end-of-season trips, no doubt. Um, <laughs> Ella, um, tell us what you're up to um, now. Uh, as you just heard, dealing with children. I've been reading a lot, Stannis. Um, so, yeah. Netball-wise? Yeah, no, still involved, obviously. Love, love a bit of netty. Um, so I have a role with the Maribyrnong Sports Academy, so I'm head coach there, which I absolutely love. So dealing with year 7 to year 12, um, probably about 55 netball students, so male and female, that apply to the school. So that's... Um, going really well. It's a bit of a part-time role and I also work in another part-time capacity with um, the Australian wheelchair rugby team as as athlete welfare and engagement coordinator. So that's been pretty full on with the Paralympics being delayed by a year and obviously the lockdowns here in Victoria. So lots to deal with with those athletes and working on their life plans outside sport. And obviously in the coaching side of things, I've been involved with the, the Vixens over the years in different capacities, but the, my last 12 months I've been working with Di Honey as the assistant coach with the Victorian Fury team. Um, reigning premiers, which will hold for two years because they're going this year, <laughs> yeah, so I'm quite happy with that, wearing that badge. Um, and that's been great because it's been, enabled me to really have a look at what's coming through and the, the younger generation. And as we saw, we had a de- debut on this um, week in Ali Smith, Get Out There for the Vixens. She's been with the, the Fury program for a number of years now and Al McDonald. So we've had a couple of athletes coming through, which I've just loved working with and sharing my, you know, what it's like to play for Victoria and what it takes to be an elite netballer and sharing all those inside things that I think you only get when you've actually played the game at the top level and being able to share that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about some of those athletes, Ella. You've, as you said, you've worked in a number of different roles. Obviously, your role as an athlete, a coach, and that well-being space. Which, which is it? Do you which role do you have you loved the most and felt felt most connected with? Yeah, I mean, look, I really love athlete welfare. I actually, um, <laughs> funnily enough, you know, that space has really grown and developed, um, and. You know, I think that that you have a big role to play in a sporting team with that role and what the athletes are doing off off court to complement their life on um, on court and making them better players. Because as you know, if you don't have something going on in your life, 
and you're an elite athlete and suddenly you're out of form, you've got an injury, there's something else going on that's not trajecting in the, in the right way that you want it to, it can be really debilitating to you mentally and to try and get yourself out of that. So that whole piece around, you know, what you're doing off court and developing that and developing you helps you actually either recover, um, get back. Because there's nothing worse than you've had an absolute shocker. I've done it. I've played a terrible game. And then you just well in it. Whereas if I had to pick myself up and go to work or study, I've got something to actually move my brain into that other space and go, yep, I'll come back to the sport in a minute when I finish that. So I love that role. And what I love about it is too, is coaching on, on the side is really great because I actually use all that welfare stuff within mm. my coaching. So yeah. I don't actually push it to the side. A lot of it is to get the best out of your athletes as a coach, you need to actually care about them. And we had some of the the greatest in Joyce Brown, our only legend in Australian netball, was very big in that space and she probably taught me a lot about it. In that welfare space, Ella, do you think um, elite or clubs in that elite space can get even better? Is there more improvement in that space um, to come? Because obviously it's come come along in leaps and bounds since uh, that the welfare side of things since you both played. Yeah, look, I think... You know, there's certainly more research being done in it. I know the AIS is investing heavily in that. Uh, Professional sports have always had a lot more uh, funding and and support in those roles. So, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, the Paralympics team, like my my role over the the isolation period here in Victoria has actually doubled. So I've gone to about 15 Mm -hmm. hours a week when I had one day a week. So they are looking at you know, the importance of that role and how it plays, you know, to make sure that athletes not only are, are, you know, well and playing well on court and all of that, but when they leave the sport, when they retire, and sometimes you don't get to retire the way you want to, it might Mm. be through injury, delisting, that actually they walk away and if they've got that ongoing support they and they've had it all the way through, they feel like, well, no, they haven't just thrown me out and given me nothing they're actually going to talk more highly of the sport as well. So I think that's why that, that, that this sort of area is even growing even more. And I and lots more in the future. Yeah. And El, we spoke, you spoke a little bit about the work that you're doing with some of those young athletes who have got a great opportunity to be away with the Vixen, main Vixens group uh, at the moment. And we've seen a couple make some really, really great um, uh, debuts. I think Ali Smith had a real impact in that game against Fever. Um when you're looking at those those young athletes coming through, what are the sort of things that you think that you can take to them? You know, when they're coming into that group, sorry, I've just I just lost my train of thought because my kids <laughs> are distracting me in the background. What I wanted to ask you actually about is that group and what it's looking like. So those young athletes are up there, the Vixens are up there in that hub. From you sitting back here, you've worked with all those different groups. How, how are they looking this year? As in the young kids or how the... Both, both, <laughs> both. <laughs> uh, look, you know what? I actually was wrapped with how Al McDonald came on in her yeah. debut weeks ago. I thought she opened up the space beautifully and read what was going on and really let... Um, Lizzie have as much room as she wanted and complimented her. And you can see a few swings were coming through and opening up Lassie. So I think she's a very smart player. Um, So I do love it when I come across athletes at that younger level that are already, when you go to them at a break or at training, are able to actually articulate 
what they think they need to do and what they are seeing on court. And I probably love that as a player too. So she's one of those. She actually reads the game really well. So I um, think sitting on the sidelines for her is fabulous and being able to be thrown on any time could work for us. Um, Ali Smith, she's a kid. You know how we were talking about the will to win and how we had it at um, the Phoenix? She's that kid. Yeah, take down a brick wall to get the ball. Like she, unbelievable kid like that. I love those kids because I feel like there's a little bit of me in it. <laughs> and I'm like, go for it. Like just, you know. Um, but, yeah, you, it's, it, but that's that little bit of flair with Ali. So Ali um, will take a little risk, but it's a calculated risk to get the ball. And um, that's really great to see. And I loved what she did coming on and the fact that they dropped back and they were more offline. And that really played into her strengths a little mm-hmm. bit too. She was able to hunt a little bit and pick up. She's tenacious and all hungry. So if you need to win a game, you, that, that's a girl you want to put on. Um, and in terms of Vixens, look, I've loved the capacity that, you know, Netball Australia decided that they were going to have 12 um, on the bench and the ability to have a couple of training partners up there and because it is actually exposing these younger kids to, you know, we don't utilise probably the changes as quickly as maybe some of the others, but I don't think that's a bad thing either because... You know, when we played Giants, they, I know they, they, they just seemed to be throwing anyone on. And I'm yeah. like, don't utilise it like that. You've actually got to be calculating your decision about who's actually going to come on for a five-minute block or whatever and, and still do the job or actually in, in, improve what's going on out there. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's been great to see them get out and, you know, to actually understand because it's a different level. I remember for us, it was like going from National League to Australian level. And when you mm. hit the Australian court, you're like, oh, my God, the ball's going... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh. like, that's what they would feel when they get out there is A&L's one level, but that next step up is just, like, superstar. Like, yeah. you've got a, it's a different game and the ability to read it becomes a little bit more challenging. But um, I've loved seeing them get out there and, and doing all that, yeah. I mentioned off the top the great um, comeback by the big vixens at the weekend, down by 14 goals. And I, and I wanted to ask both of you, before we dive into some questions from the fans, is there a memorable sort of comeback victory um, where you found yourself down, not so much out, but down by a heap of goals and you managed to fight your way back? Oh, Commonwealth Games, Shaz, in 2002. <laughs> it was like a yeah. roller coaster. It was like we're up by six, down by six, up by six, we down were. by six, the whole game. And the little superstar sitting here, she gets <laughs> taken out at the end in double overtime and has to get up. And I don't know how you shot that goal. Billy Davu absolutely cleaned her up and sweat all over the floor that she had. And then was almost like, pick yourself up. How are you? And then Kath Cox was hiding behind the post, like, don't pass it to me. Don't pass it to me. <laughs> <laughs> she had to shoot the winning goal. How are you? Like, amazing. I mean, that's the things that Chaz does. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I was screaming on the sidelines by that point. <laughs> uh, and I remember you screaming at me in that game. Uh, there was a lot of screaming going on, that's for sure. But, yeah, that, there was that one. And then, then for me, it was also that um, the 99 World Champs, which was my first major tournament where we were down by seven at, at three-quarter time and came back in, or six or seven, I can't remember now, and, and came back and won by one. So that was 
I mean, that was an epic comeback. And you're right, Al, in that game in um, Manchester that we were both at, um, to be able to just keep fighting our way back into that game, even through some of those extra time moments, there were, you know, we, we needed to keep pushing and, uh, you know, we just kept giving ourselves the opportunity to take it and luckily, luckily we did in the end. I know, and I think with the um, Melbourne Phoenix, I think we had one against Adelaide one year. Yeah. I can't remember what year it was, but Joyce Brown was the coach and she gave an inspirational speech at three-quarter time and I just remember us crawling our way back out of that. I think that was 2000. I think it was yeah. 2000 where we just got in front kind of towards the end. And, and it was so. about, yeah, it was. we were probably about seven or eight down into the yeah. last quarter and she yeah. was just, yeah, unbelievable. I think I was going to be like an Ellie Smith and run through a blip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey ladies let's get some uh, questions from our fans out there with thanks to deakin university digital is in deakin university's dna 40 years of experience in distance and online learning discover why they are the number one australian public university for overall educational experience premium proven loved study online at deakin and today uh, suzanne opens the batting What's the biggest difference between the game you played, Eloise, and the current Suncorp Super Netball? Oh, there's lots of, I mean, <laughs> they're athletes. I'm not sure I was one. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I was a semi-athlete, but I mean, it was a lot harder. We all, I was working pretty much full time when I was playing. I mean, um, not a, I don't think any of the girls do that these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they run faster, hit harder, they're stronger, their physiques, they're everything. Everything like an AFL footballer would do, they're kind of doing that, that load and all of that. So um, it's become a job for them. Um, which is fantastic um, and you know obviously now we've got the two-point rule so the rule the few of the rule changes are, are a little bit different um, but yeah I mean the structures and things like that no coach has really gone out and done anything too far-fetched. Have you liked the two-point shot because I've quite it's grown on me quickly. Yeah, look, you know what? It's it. I just feel for internationally, we're not going to play it like that. So it's going to be hard for the girls to get their head around going back. But look, in terms of being able for a team to get back in the game, as the Vixens with Katie nailing that two shot, two point shot at the end, like it, it, it makes the games probably you can get back into it a lot easier. Um, and I was quite surprised how close the two point shot is. I mean, the girls are probably going, it's not that when you're under pressure, but it's only half, like it's sort of half the circle. I thought it was going to be further out. So you do get good bang for your buck if you're just halfway in. Yeah. I, I think originally it was a little bit closer, but they moved it out because they decided it was, um, sorry, sorry, originally it was further out, but they thought it was too hard. So they moved it, moved it in a little bit. Um, hey, Kendra has a question for you, Eloise, and it's a, about your shooting practice and what you did, uh, you know, to get, get to training early? What are the sort of things you did around your shooting practice? Uh, yeah, so I, look, I would pretty much practice every day. And, you know, every shoot is different about the routine that they want to, like Shaz and I wouldn't probably do the same thing in terms of practicing. Um, so I would always practice at home or I'd have a, I'd always have a ball with me in my car or whatever. So sometimes when I was working, I would go at lunchtime down to a local court that I knew or whatever and just practice there. So I would always have a ball with me. Um, I obviously set up different, we call them shooting cards or anything like that. So different things that might be like short shots, mid shots, long shots, one short, one long, lines around the court, arcs around the court, 
practicing where I would miss the most in a game, which we would all get those stats and things like that. So thinking about trying to change that into a shot that I loved. Um, yeah, so lots of different things, practice layups, yeah, quick shots, balk shots, so lots of different things. Um, but I would literally do that daily or, you know, six days a week. And then often we were in before training to, um, to work as a combination or the group of four goalers that we had um, to think about doing different work with the, with the other teammates. So, um, you know, you do put a lot more work in, as I say, to those defenders that don't come in early. Um, yes. We're always there. And yes, we can call us princesses, but we win the game for you. So. <laughs> That's right. You've got to look after those goalers, that's for sure. Hey, um, I like this one from Kelly too. She's asked what your favourite mid-court goaling combination to play with was both domestically and internationally. Oh, going? I'm not going to say anyone else does, just you. No, no, as in I think the combination between you and the mid-court. Who, oh, who, who, oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay, mid-courts. Hmm, gosh, I can't remember. Far out. There's just so many. <laughs> <laughs> I actually loved, I didn't play internationally, but domestically, like Fiona Doran was amazing to play with. She was a Tasmanian that came over to play with us. I really loved her. She was a lefty. I don't know if that helped because I always swung the ball over that side of the court. So she was able to catch it. Um, but I loved also playing. It's really hard to split them, but I've, I had at different times. Susan Meany, Ingrid Dick, um, Wendy Jacobson, who always hit the top of the circle unbelievably. So, you know, all those athletes were really great to play with and I really enjoyed whatever combination, wherever they were on the court, either centre or wing attack. Um, and then down to you or I, Shaz. So, there we go. And internationally... <laughs> So I actually loved playing with Shelley O'Donnell when she when I started my international career. She was playing at wing attack, uh, and funnily enough, Carissa Toombs and they were both amazing to play with. And I don't know whether it was because I was really young at that point and I was just like awestruck, um, <laughs> but they were pretty phenomenal. So I'm going to say those two. Jasmine wants to know Ella who your biggest supporter was through your career, maybe even your biggest inspiration. Um, biggest supporter well obviously my family so my my mum and my dad my dad would use we you know I mean Shaz would even go come, come on Phoenix <laughs> you'd always see Jeffrey in the crowd <laughs> Jeffrey in the crowd with a stupid hat on he always had some sort of hat that's colours of our team um so he he always used to say I couldn't play for my country but I gave my voice for the country yelling and screaming at me um so, yeah, probably like mum and dad were, have always been supportive. And, you know, mum played a bit of netball, so she um, played like a, the V&L kind of level. So she was really into it as well. Um, and then, you know, I'd probably have to say people like um, Susan Meany, who is one of my best friends and I played all my junior state programs with um she was always a, a sounding board at times i was in teams and she wasn't and um you know she was pretty honest with being able to give me feedback or when i was dropped from an aussie team saying well you know maybe you weren't fit enough or maybe you weren't maybe you do need to work on this or you know the coach might be right so go and prove him wrong so kind of having that person there that knew kind of how I was feeling and maybe being able to give me some honest feedback who I believed and what she was saying was really good. So I'll probably say those people. Yeah, and actually I was just going to jump in there, Stan. It says Sue Meany, I'm not sure if everyone 
listening knows that she's doing a lot of, she's been in working with the, the Vixens group this year and she's had a huge impact. I think anyone who's watching can see, um, you know, that the that midcourt is interacting in a little bit of a different way. They've got some different um, insights as to how to open up space and, um, you know, Susan and I are doing a lot of work back here in Melbourne, um, previewing games and giving uh, giving the team lots of ideas about how to hopefully get around an opposition. So Sue Meany continues also to, to really give back to netball as well. And it's great to have her. Yeah. Hey, a couple of, sorry, go. Best, best thing is she's so bloody funny. So <laughs> one thing she will do is she'll make that midcourt laugh. And sometimes you need to laugh and realise, <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of stuff that's going on and it's very stressful. And in a hub environment, it can be stressful too, just living, you're not getting out. She's very funny. Like she probably said some really funny things like what was going on in the first half. You looked like you were running backwards or not that that was funny, but she would be saying something and then said, yeah. be saying, well, these are the things and then she'll make a joke out of it. So she's very good like that. I think yeah. um, it's very good to, to make people not stressed. Two more questions to finish off. Um, we'll run through them quickly because they are quite random. Uh, Chloe wants to know, what's your favourite part of the day? Um, oh, well, if you're asking just if I'm a morning person or an evening, but I'm a morning person, I'm not, I'm, I love going to bed early. So, um, and with four kids, everyone's normally up early anyway. So, um, love that. But at the moment, my husband is an essential worker, so I'm not getting to see him until later in the day. Um, so coming home and watching some netball or some tea or something on TV is probably my favourite because it's the only adult interaction I'm actually getting. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and finally, I, I did say these questions were random, but okay. Lucy wants to know pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Oh, yeah, for sure. Love a pine- I actually add it to most of my pizzas. If not Likewise. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I like pineapple on pizza. I think it's a good yeah. touch. It's an absolutely great touch. Um, and if, as an extension of that, um, because this is something that irks me, do you keep the Vegemite in the fridge or in the um, pantry? No, the pantry, because mm. the kids just need to be able to grab that quickly, not messing up everything. Do you keep yours in the fridge? No, I don't. I just find it weird, anyone who does. Mm. Lots of people do. Lots of weirdos out there. I've never heard that, so... Lots of people <laughs> think they're spreads yeah, in the really? Yeah, it's just not, yeah, it's a bit too strange. Um, okay, so let's look forward. Let's look into our crystal balls. Um, we ask all our guests on the podcast about where they see the Vixens at the end of the 2020 season. Um, obviously, sitting top of the, the ladder and doing some nice things on the court still, I think three or four weeks, four matches to go, Shaz. I, I can't keep up. There's just <laughs> so much going on. Four matches to go. So, um, Ella, crystal ball time. Um, look, I think we can go all the way. <laughs> I always back back them in. And I think hopefully um, the last, you know, couple of years, we've, we've certainly been there or thereabouts and we just haven't performed um, when we've kind of needed to. But I think, you know, particularly with our goaling end that at times may have struggled, we've got three that can go on and we can rotate them. And I think the staff and um, Di and Simone have been really good at 
throwing on different combinations there and changing it up. If it's not working, they're not just sitting and trying to work through it. So I'm loving that. And I think that that's a really good weapon in our armory this year. Um, and the, the girls, like they've just, they have got a really good connection. I, I, I often talk about that. You can see it, the camaraderie between them. And I think, a, you know, coming from Melbourne has put them in good stead that we were in really tight isolation for a bit longer. Um, we've had to quarantine up there and they've actually really coped well with that as a group. Mm. And, you know, when you talk to some of the athletes up there, other teams aren't coping with having to live in a hub environment. Now, hub, hub's easy for us because we've done the yeah. backyards already. So yeah. um, there is a little bit more freedom in the hub, not too much, but a little bit more. And I think that they're really getting along well and they've always been a great travelling team. So I think that this could play into our hands really nicely. And Ella makes a really strong point there in terms of continuity, uh, familiarity. Um, it's an advantage that the Vixens have had for some time, but I feel as though, and Shaz, you might be able to um, give us some insight into, into this, but I feel as though that sort of continuity and familiarity, um, especially in a year like this, that's just so all over the place, will hold the Vixens in pretty good stead. Yes or no? Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, we spoke to Jack and Elle, I think it was last week that we were just speaking to them or the week before. And, uh, you know, those those girls um, are talking about how great it is to be in that situation because those relationships that you form kind of fast-tracked in some ways because you are spending so much time together. And I, I think that you can you can see that happening. And, and no doubt there are uh, some challenges that go along with being in a hub and, um, you know, the, the pressures that go along with that and the different personalities and emotions that you have to, to deal with. But I think that that, that has, um, yeah, I think that that's a real positive for them, that continuity, as you said. And and as an extension of that too, I think, um, you know, some of the situations that the group has been in this year on court, uh, you know, down by 14 against Fever, losing that game against Thunderbirds, but then being able to come back and adjust things. Yeah, I feel like they've got a little bit uh, more in their kit bag this year to hopefully uh, cope with those pressures of finals netball. Can I ask one more fun one? Yes, of course. <laughs> I mentioned, I said that you two were thick as thieves. I dare say there is a road trip story here somewhere, like a, whether it's an end of season trip or something, something similar. Have you got something? Clean. What have you got, Shaz? <laughs> Oh, so many. Do you know what? Um, probably most times it was Natasha Chocolin and I being a bit uh, cheeky and having fun and Eloise going, girls, you got to remember, just keep yourselves in line. <laughs> so she, was the real, she was always the protector. <laughs> I was. Well, I just never wanted us in trouble. Like I was like, I'm gonna, it's going to come back to bite me. The captain's going to get called in and say, what was going on with all those girls? <laughs> sitting on scooters in Bali, hey? <laughs> I love it. Well, Eloise, thanks so much for joining us on here if you need. It's always great to see your smiling face and um, thank you for your insight and the laughs along the way. Um, it's been great, Chaz. Um, another week down and lots to look forward to. Yeah, lots to look forward to. Obviously, the Swifts uh, tonight, which is a huge game always. They're playing super great netball. So looking forward to that one. And then the Crosstown Rivals on the weekend, the Magpies. And then we're nearly there, Clint. Ooh. That's... We're really there. Unbelievably close to finals, so it's exciting.
getting very exciting. Um, as always, thanks, Shaz. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the week. And we'll chat to you next week on here if you need. With thanks to Deakin University. At Deakin, digital is in our DNA. With 40 years of experience in distance and online learning, discover why we're the number one Australian public university for overall educational experience. Premium, proven, loved. Study online at Deakin. Applications now open.